Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Turfs Up Horse Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Keeler Johnson, and we've got quite a bit to discuss today, including the results of the Southwest Stakes, a February 15th Kentucky Derby prep race at Oakland Park, and the race, which is the last of the Kentucky Derby prep races, offering just 10 points to the winner, drew a full field of 14, and the slight favorite was Collected, trained by Bob Baffert, who'd won the Sham Stakes last month at San Anita Park after a wide trip and setting a fast pace. So Collected was the favorite at 5-2. to two. Also well-regarded in the wagering was Whitmore, coming off of an impressive allowance win at Oaklawn Park, and the entry of Synchrony and Sudden Breaking News. Synchrony had finished third in the Smarty Jones Stakes, the local prep for the Southwest, and Sudden Breaking News was coming off of a runner-up effort to Smarty Jones Stakes winner Discreetness in the Remington Park Springboard Mile Stakes last December. Given the size of the field, it was kind of expected that the pace was going to be kind of fast, but I think in the end the pace ended up being faster than anyone had anticipated. The pace setter was Siding Spring, who broke very alertly and was sent hard for the early lead from post position 11, and he got it by a length, got the lead by a length after an opening quarter in 23.1 seconds, extended that lead to a length and a half while being pressed by American Dubai through a half mile in 47.06 seconds. At first glance, these fractions aren't very fast, um, 23.47 flat, but at Oakland Park, in two turn races at Oakland Park, this is a very solid pace, very fast, and visually it looked like Siding Spring and American Dubai were absolutely flying early on. So, this was going to compromise their chances. They were kind of going a little fast, and it was certainly going to set the race up for closers. And in the end, sudden breaking news rallied from last place, 15 lengths off the lead, to win in decisive fashion. Now, he did benefit from the fast early pace, but sudden breaking news looked absolutely fantastic in the home stretch. After six furlongs, he was still eight and a half lengths off the lead, and with a furlong to go, he still trailed by five and a half lengths, but he absolutely gobbled up ground in the home stretch, striding out strongly, took the lead decisively, drew off to win by two and three quarter lengths. Huge late run. He ran the final 16th in 6.23 seconds, quite solid and fast. So his performance, although enhanced by the fast pace, was certainly not exclusively due to the fast pace. And this sudden breaking news really could not have been much more impressive. And given that fast paces are certainly not uncommon in the Kentucky Derby, sudden breaking news could be one of those key contenders to close from way back and finish in the top four in the Derby. In terms of final time, he ran the race in 1 minute 45.14 seconds, solid for Oakland Park, and it translated to a nice buyer speed figure of 93. Not many horses in this crop have gone higher than that. I'd also like to mention some of the other horses from the Southwest Stakes. First off, Whitmore, who finished second. He ran a big race as well. He was 11th place early on, made a big move on the far turn, get into contention. And he couldn't outkick sudden breaking news in the final furlong. He was starting to flatten out a little bit, but he did grind on very well. Showed a lot of grit to get up and edge American Dubai for a half length for second place. And this, I think, is an effort that Whitmore can build on down the road. It was only his fourth start, only his second start around two turns after a 
disappointing effort in the Delta Downs jackpot stakes last year, and it was only his second start of the season, I think Whitmore could definitely show improvement down the road. He also has, he's shown a lot of tactical speed in his previous races. He doesn't have to be as far back as he was in the Southwest Stakes. So maybe if a smaller field turns up for the Rebel Stakes, he's one that could take advantage of a slower pace and maybe get the jump on sudden breaking news, turn the tables. And then of course, American Dubai, who ran just a huge race while finishing third. He pressed the early pace, took the lead in the home stretch, looked like he was maybe going to pull away and win, but just got a little leg weary in the final furlong, wound up third beating three and a quarter lengths, but only half a length by Whitmore. This was a big effort. This was only the third start of his career. And he took a big step forward off of his previous race when he crossed the wire second in an allowance race at Oakland Park on January 21st. And just watching American Dubai, I get the feeling that we haven't seen the best that this colt has to offer. Um, early on in the Southwest Stakes, he was asked hard by his jockey to show speed and secure good early position. So in his maiden win last November at Churchill Downs, American Dubai actually came from several lengths off the pace to win. So he's not necessarily a front runner. He's shown some versatility, could come from farther back. And given the fast pace that he pressed in the Southwest, I was really impressed with his performance, and if I was going to choose a horse coming out of the Southwest Stakes that I think could really have an impact down the road, I think that horse would be American Dubai. I'm really looking forward to seeing how he progresses during the next couple of months. Now I'd like to turn our attention to the upcoming Saturday card at Fairgrounds, which is led by the $400,000 Risen Star Stakes, the first Kentucky Derby prep race to offer 50 points to the winner. Now, I've already handicapped the Risen Star Stakes on the Bloodhorse.com blog, Unlocking Winners. You can read my thoughts there. I thought I'd share a few thoughts on some of the other notable races at Fairgrounds tomorrow, including the Rachel Alexandra Stakes, which is the Phillies' equivalent of the Risen Star Stakes. Now, that race has drawn a solid field, led by Stage Play, who won the local prep, the Silver Bullet Day Stakes at Fairgrounds. Stage play has been very consistent throughout her career. She broke her maiden first time out at Keeneland, going six and a half furlongs, stretched out to a mile, and won the Rags to Riches Stakes at Churchill Downs. And the only defeat in her career came in the Goldenrod Stakes at Churchill last November, when she raced in second early on through slow fractions and just couldn't reel in the impressive Karina Mia, who won by four and a quarter lengths and to stamp herself as one of the early favorites for the Kentucky Oaks. So certainly no disgrace in finishing second to Karina Mia. And stage play since then came back, won the Silver Bullet Day Stakes in solid fashion. She was third early on, a couple lengths off the pace, took the lead in the home stretch, was two lengths up with a furlong to go. Gave back a little bit of ground in the final furlong, ended up winning by just a length and a quarter. But it was a solid effort and interesting scenario here. All four of the buyer speed figures that she's earned in her races are higher than any buyer speed figure earned by any other filly in the race. And this is not something you see every day where one horse has such a significant buyer speed figure advantage over their rivals. Um, um, last example I can think of just off the top of my head was Songbird in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies last year. 
Now granted, Songbird had a larger advantage overall. Her buyer speed figures were significantly higher than those of her rivals, whereas several of Stageplay's rivals have come close to matching Stageplay's recent buyers. But just thought I'd throw that out there because it's usually a sign of a horse that's going to be very hard to beat. And Stageplay looks like a possible single for the multi-race wagers in the Rachel Alexander stakes, including the pick four, the all stakes pick four that starts with the Daisy Divine stakes. Speaking of the Daisy Divine stakes, it's, it looks like a really tough race on paper. One filly that could be a little bit of an overlay is Pink Poppy, who finished third in the Sunshine Millions Philly and Mare Turf stakes last month, and that was a race she won in 2015. Now, Pink Poppy doesn't win often. She's only won three races from 16 starts, but she's run some nice races through her career and has kept some good company. She has shown a tendency to kind of flatten out in the home stretch of her races. She usually looms a contender with a furlong to go and then can't quite seal the deal, loses some ground to the wire. However, this race does look wide open on paper. I think she fits really well. Could be overlooked as betters focus on uh, Street of Gold, winner of the Marie G. Krantz Memorial Stakes here at Fairgrounds last month, and Ms. Money, who is the runner-up in that race. Speaking of Ms. Money, I like her chances a lot as well in this Daisy Divine Stakes. She ran very well in the Marie G. Krantz, setting the pace for tiring just a little bit late to finish second, beating half a length, and then she came back in the five-and-a-half furlong Mardi Gras Stakes at Fairgrounds, on February 9th, so just 11 days before this Daisy Divine Stakes. And this was a pretty big cutback in distance. Ms. Money's not a turf sprinter, but she ran well, settled back in seventh early on, rallied to finish third, beating just two lengths. And this race was really being used more as a workout in preparation for the Daisy Divine Stakes rather than a race to win in and of itself. So the fact that Ms. Money ran so well, finished third, now it's impressive. I think it's going to sharpen her up for this race, set her up for a big effort. Ms. Money is another that could be overlooked in the wagering, and I think she has a big chance tomorrow as well. In the fairgrounds handicap, much of the focus will be on Chocolate Ride, who's been just about unstoppable at fairgrounds the last two seasons. He won the fairgrounds handicap this race last year, and he enters off a win in the Colonel E.R. Bradley handicap on January 16th, wasn't a dominating win, just won by three quarters of a length over Roman Approval, who will be back again in tomorrow's race. One possible long shot choice is String King, and he didn't run all that well in the Colonel E.R. Bradley handicap huh? last time out. He was beaten four and a quarter lengths by Chocolate Ride, but he also didn't have the best trip, and in his start before that, huh? state bread stakes at fairgrounds. He had just a nightmare trip, still ran huge to finish second beating a nose, really would have won with a better trip. And throughout his career, Stringking has been a very nice horse. You go back into 2015 and from five starts, he won four stakes races, including the Colonel E.R. Bradley handicap here at Fairgrounds last year. This is probably a little tougher competition today, but I wouldn't count Stringking out of the mix. I think he could be a contender at a decent price. Also, Pumpkin Rumble. He ran very well in the John B. Connolly turf stakes at Sam Houston Park last time out. Finished fourth, beaten five and three quarter lengths, but only a length for second behind some nice horses, including K-Gun and Big John B. And of course, that race was a mile and a half. He 
cuts back in distance quite a bit today to nine furlongs. And he's shown good form before that as well, before the John B. Connolly. He won a one-mile allowance race at Fairgrounds by two and three-quarter lengths. Nice effort. Before that, he'd been third in a similar race at Churchill Downs behind the seemingly ageless Regally Ready, winner of the 2011 Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. Pumpkin Rumble, I think, is another horse that could be overlooked in this race, but might have a good chance to at least hit the board at a solid price. Now, before wrapping up, a few days ago on Twitter, I asked you all to name your favorite horse of all time and include a reason why that horse is your favorite of all time. And we got a response from Kevin Bailey, who said his favorite horse is Empire Maker. He said he's a big fan of Judmont Farms and Bobby Frankel, and that Empire Maker had the best stride I've seen on a racehorse. Empire Maker, of course, what a horse. Really, really talented. Just shame injuries kept him from really showing how great he could have been. After a modest two-year-old campaign that saw him win a maiden race and finish third in the Remsen Stakes, he started off his three-year-old season in 2003 with a runner-up effort in the Sham Stakes at San Anita. Then he won the Florida Derby and the Wood Memorial Stakes in impressive fashion. In the latter race, he beat Funnyside, who wound up winning the Kentucky Derby in Preakness Stakes. And speaking of the Kentucky Derby, Empire Maker was the favorite in that race, but missed some training with a hoof injury before the race. Still ran huge to finish second. And then after skipping the Preakness Stakes, Empire Maker came back and won the Belmont Stakes in decisive fashion. Over 10 most wanted, with Funnyside finishing back in third. Since then, of course, Empire Maker has become a fantastic sire. Among his best foals are Royal Delta, a three-time Clips Award winner's champion, three-year-old filly and older female. She won a couple of Breeders' Cup Ladies Classics, also an Alabama Stakes, and many other good races. Empire Maker is also the sire of Pioneer the Nile, Grace Hall, Emollient, Bodie Meister, who finished second in the 2012 Kentucky Derby. And of course, as the sire of Pioneer the Nile, Empire Maker is also the grandsire of 2015 Triple Crown winner American Pharaoh. Really, you could argue Empire Maker has been a breed-changing stallion, and it's such a boost to the U.S. breeding industry to have him back in the U.S. for 2016. Looking forward to seeing what his next few crops of American foals can do at the races. That should do it for today's episode of the Turfs Up Horse Racing Podcast. Thank you for listening. 